Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Today I'm talking about Facebook. So Facebook is a topic which pings into my inbox all the time from members of Psychology Business School and the Do More Than Therapy community. And that's because Facebook is probably the social media platform that most of us feel the most comfortable with. It's the one that a lot of us have been on for a very long time. But it's also one of the platforms that has changed the most, especially in how you can use it as a business. Because as the priorities of Facebook as a platform have changed, so have the tips and tricks that work for businesses on Facebook. And so I'm gonna be really clear with you. The number one thing you need to be sure of before you even engage on Facebook is what you want to achieve with it. You need to be really clear about the vision for your business and how Facebook is gonna help you get closer to that vision. Because you could waste a lot of time creating content for Facebook that isn't actually gonna take anybody anywhere. So today, what I'm gonna share with you is three different ways that you can use Facebook strategically to achieve what you want with your marketing. Now they build on each other. So the first one I'm gonna share with you is called the Shopfront. And that's a really good approach if you don't really want a lot out of Facebook, you just need a presence. The second one is the authority builder, which is where you're trying to make more of a footprint online, but Facebook isn't your main platform. And then the final one is the community king slash queen. And this is the one where Facebook is where your ideal clients are hanging out. It's where you want to put most of your energy. Um, so when you get down to the community king slash queen, you're going to be doing all of the stuff that you need to do for the shopfront and the authority builder it's a much bigger time investment so I thought we'd work through them in sequence so the shopfront the shopfront is the approach for you if you kind of hate social media you don't need to grow an audience for a product or a service because you're not offering things like online courses or books you mainly work high ticket coaching therapy or one-to-one services Your business is thriving and it's thriving on referrals from your personal network or from word of mouth. And your aim is just to have somewhere for people to check out that you're a real human being. You're not aiming to generate engagement or social presence on there. You've got other ways of getting to know your ideal clients. So just to reiterate, this is important, I would say, for every business to have a Facebook business page. And the reason for that is that pretty much everybody under the age of 50, maybe it's creeping up, maybe it's even older than that now, they check you out. If you get a a word of mouth recommendation from somebody, I'm willing to bet that you Google that person before you give them any money for anything in your life. Think about, you know, if somebody recommended you a plumber, I wouldn't just call the plumber, I would look them up first, I would check out their website, and when I check out their website, it's very likely that their social profile would pop up underneath it. It's just a little bit of extra validation that you're a real human being and that you're not in the business of ripping people off. It's actually extremely important and becoming increasingly important in studies of buyer behavior these days. So everybody should have a Facebook business page. But if you just want to use it for that credibility check, there's no reason to spend hours and hours and hours engaging with it or creating content for it. So this is how you create your shopfront. 
So firstly, you need to create a business page. Facebook makes that really, really easy for you. If you're not sure how to do it, then go to Facebook Blueprint, where they've got training on how to do all of this stuff. On that business page, you need a very clear link to your website. Facebook lets you turn that into a button. You should do that. You should choose good images for that page, ideally professional. Uh, they should be pictures of you, not your logo. Um, you looking professional in keeping with the way that you want your brand to be. Um, and you should have pictures of your premises if you use them on there. You should have a really clear, succinct description of who you are and what you do. Make sure that that description is about the people you help and that it's written for them. Think about what they need to know, what they'd want to hear if they called you up for an initial consultation and make it only that in that description. We don't wanna provide anything overwhelming. We don't want a list of all your CPD. Um, we just want to know how you help people and who you help um, and just make it as clear as you possibly can for that overwhelmed person that might land on your page. We need very clear contact details about how to contact you and how they book a session. Again, bear in mind that whatever your specialism is, it's highly likely it's very important to the person that's looking for you. So you really want to walk them through step by step how you do these things um, and links so that if you've got an online booking system, for example, I would link directly to that, book a session here. Um, just very, very streamlined, very, very straightforward, leading people to directly what you want them to do. Um, for bonus points, you could add a video. You could add a video of you talking about who you are and what you do. Because think about how powerful that would be if you were in that prospective client position. To actually see you talking, get a sense of how you work. I think that's a really great opportunity. And it's very, very easy to do on Facebook. You know, I would, you know, for extra bonus points, I would put subtitles on that. So I would, you know, create it either within Facebook itself, take a vid video on your phone, um, and then send it off to somewhere like rev.com to get captions. Um, or you can put captions on using a software like Zubtitle. I would put captions on, we'll get a VA to do it for you even better. Um, but you know, if you can't manage that, then Facebook does have native caption tools, but some kind of video on there that makes it really easy for people to get to know you a little bit would be a brilliant bonus thing to do if you've got the bandwidth for it. Um, also, if you do have a blog or a podcast or any other kind of cornerstone content that's designed to let people know how you work and solve problems for them, then there's no harm at all in putting a weekly post on there that just links to that blog post with a short description. Now, some people listening to this will be like, that's the opposite of what you told us in the blogging challenge and all your content around how to use social media. That's true. You need to bear in mind that no one is going to see those posts on your business page other than people who specifically search for your business page. Remember, we're strategically using this just as a shop front for people who are already looking for you. There is no organic reach anymore, or very, very little. There is probably some, but very, very little organic reach on a Facebook business page. So you can't expect anybody to see those posts um, if you're not putting any effort into getting engagement and going out into other people's communities and things, which if you're using it as a shop front, you're not. Um, so the sole purpose of those is to create like a collection of your blog posts that people who were searching for you off the back of a word of mouth referral, for example, would be able to come along and just see a collection of your work and access it quickly. Remember, that's the sole purpose. 
So basically, that is how you can use Facebook as a shop front for your business. Now, if you wanna go one step beyond that, then you might want to consider becoming an authority builder on Facebook, using Facebook to build your authority. This is a really good approach for you if you want to get known as a go-to person in your area of specialism, if you want to develop an audience to sell an online book, um, sorry, an online course, or a book, or a workshop, or anything similar that needs to reach a lot of people. So you have to remember that only one to 2% of people that know you online um, and follow you online or maybe are on your email list are actually gonna buy anything from you. So you need a really big audience to sell something online, especially if it's a low ticket kind of an offer. So this approach is for you if that's your goal, but you don't think your ideal clients use Facebook that much or that they're not using it for the struggle that you're trying to help them with. And that does apply to plenty of things that we might do. Facebook might not be a great place for every specialism. It's also a good strategy for you if you're very active in another way on another platform and you use that to have high quality interaction with your ideal client. You know that I think that social media is a great place for us to interact with our ideal clients. I really think if you want an online business, if you want to be selling lots of anything, then you do need to build a community around your area of expertise. I I, I don't think that's negotiable, unfortunately, but Facebook might not be the right place to do that. So if there's somewhere else that makes more sense or whatever you're offering, then you might only want to use Facebook in a way that allows more people to find you and then come to your more active platform or your community that you've got held elsewhere. So if that's the case, then this is the right package for you. So if this is what you want to do, um, if you want to be an authority builder on Facebook, then you follow all the steps for the shop front to start with. You kind of need to get your shop in order. So you're clearly directing them to somewhere else. So in this case, if you've got another platform which is really buzzing and you're really active on it, instead of um, only linking out to your website and your shop front, you would also want to link to that other platform. And I would even put a post that you pin to the top that says, I don't do a lot on Facebook, but I'm a boss on Instagram, or most of my best content is on LinkedIn, or um, you'll find most of my best content on the forum on my website or links to my blog. Um, I would put that in the shop front as well and I would pin that as a post to the top. So again, you're gonna create high quality weekly cornerstone content. And by that, I mean really good blogs, a great podcast, something that delivers loads of value. It could be a YouTube video. It doesn't really matter what it is, it matters that it solves your ideal client's problem and that it's really good stuff. Um, Then you're gonna create weekly videos on your page around that topic of your cornerstone content. So, you know, I'm experimenting at the moment actually with taking bits of this podcast and turning them into videos um, so that I can give people a little taste of what they'll get if they come over to the podcast and listen to it. So they can work out if it's for them without having to take that effortful step of, of clicking on the podcast link before they're really sure. So that might be something that you want to experiment with here. Otherwise, you could just do a quick five minute Facebook Live where you just talk about the topic um, that you're gonna be 
going into more detail in, in your blog, maybe introducing one or two key points and then simply inviting people if they want to learn more to come and join you either on your blog, your podcast, your YouTube channel or Instagram, wherever it is that that core piece of content sits each week. Um, and I people have asked me this a lot and I talk about weekly because you need to get some momentum going to stick in people's minds generally. We work well habitually, so if there's a piece of content that's released at the same time each week, we start to anticipate it and we're more likely to look for it and seek it out. And that could not be more helpful when you're trying to build an audience, uh, especially an online audience. So if you can do it weekly and you can do it at the same time, that's definitely best practice. If you can't, it's just not realistic for you to do that, then do it fortnightly or do it monthly. Do what you're going to stick to because consistency is more important than frequency. Um, but I can't lie to you and tell you that it isn't best to do it weekly because it kind of is. <laughs> okay, so then, and this is the kind of advanced strategy bit, which is going to take you beyond just having a shop front and into using Facebook to build a bit of authority. Then you're going to reach out to people with relevant communities on Facebook. Facebook is really all about community. So if you're not going to have your own community on there because you've got it elsewhere, you still need to leverage the fact that Facebook is all about community. And a great way to do that is to go into other people's communities and offer to do a guest talk or offer a free class on your topic. And then you point those people um, who engage with you in those other groups back to your most active platform, wherever that might be. It's fine to use other people's audiences in this way. And actually, so long as you're transparent and you know friendly and collaborative with the admin of those groups, generally it works really well for both of you. I go into lots of life coaching groups and talk about how to deal with really intense, strong emotions like anxiety or depression. Uh, things like, you know, the questions that I get asked to talk about in there might be things like, how do I know when I need to seek help? How do I know when low mood becomes depression? A personal favourite for the label-hating psychologist that I am. Um, <laughs> but you can see, can't you, that as, as a clinical psychologist, I'm adding something quite different to those groups than the coach that runs them. But we might be trying to serve similar people. So it can work for me and it can work for them because you're not in direct competition. It's just that your ideal clients have a lot in common. Um, so it's important to be strategic. Don't agree to go into any old person's group, but that is a really useful way to build your authority, build your credibility and get more people onto your platform, wherever else you want them to be. So that in a nutshell is how you would build a bit of authority on Facebook if it's not your key platform. Now, community king slash queen. This is the route to take if you know that Facebook really is where your people are at. If it's the place that you feel most comfortable communicating, you want to get known as a go-to in your area of specialism, and you've got aspirations to develop an audience to sell an online course, a book, a workshop, or you know something that needs a lot of people. And you know, as we were saying before, you do need a huge audience in order to make any money selling anything low ticket online. And by low ticket, I mean really anything that's under a thousand pounds, which sounds crazy. But if you think about the investment people make in therapy, actually therapy is high ticket. Um, so again. 
this is the right choice for you if you're really going to focus hard on Facebook. So for most of us, that means that Facebook would be our main platform or our only platform. If you're a bit further on in your business and you've got a big team, it, all it means really is that you have to be willing to dedicate a lot of resources to Facebook. Um, and I would, and people ask me about this quite a lot, I would say that it has to be you. It really does have to be you. If you're trying to develop um, authority that's going to build enough trust for people to invest with you, even if it's an online course around a mental health issue, that's still a lot of trust. And I don't believe a logo will ever achieve that level of trust. They need to trust you as a person, as a clinician, as a therapist. And therefore, unfortunately, you have to be there in the trenches, starting conversations with people, following up with people. There are things that you can outsource on social media. You can outsource graphics, you can outsource scheduling. Um, I outsource both of those very comfortably, very happily. Um, but you can't outsource the conversation piece. And if you're not willing to do it, then you need to rethink your strategy and what you're aspiring to do. Again, it's about goodness of fit. It, you have to look at your vision and think, you know, does, does everything I'm mapping out here fit with my vision for my life? and my vision for what I want this business to do in the world. Because if you're somebody that really, really hates social media and can't think of anything worse than interacting with people, then maybe selling an online course that really does rely on building an online audience isn't a great fit for you. And there's loads of stuff, loads of amazing creative projects that you could do that wouldn't require that of you. Um, so I just want to I just wanted to get that out there. You know, this is an approach for somebody who gets excited thinking about this. If that's not you, if you don't feel excitement in your stomach <laughs> about this idea, then it probably isn't the right strategy for you because it's a huge, huge amount of work. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've built a few online communities now. Um, and I love them and I love the interaction. And I love the opportunity to really get to know my ideal client. But I'm not going to lie to you, it's hours and hours of work. And if there's not a clear um, vision that you're moving towards with that community, you're going to get resentful quite quickly and you're not going to be able to keep it up because they need a high level of consistency. But anyway, I'm jumping the gun slightly. Um, so how to do it, how to become a community king slash queen. So you have to follow all of the steps for the shop front and for the authority builder first. So you've got your um, business page all set up, directing people to your website, making it really easy to book with you or buy your course or whatever it is that you're offering. And um, you're also, you're going out into other people's communities and getting yourself known, becoming more visible on Facebook. The difference is that you're directing all of those people into a Facebook group. So you have to create a Facebook group. Facebook really likes community and it does not like business pages very much. So all of your effort above what we've established to build the shop front and get into other people's communities, all of your additional effort should be going into a group. Your group needs to give something to the people that join it. You have to identify something that your ideal clients are really struggling with, something that relates to your specialism, and then create a really niche group that helps them solve that specific problem. The best groups are really specific to a particular client group uh, who are struggling with a very particular problem. So my favorite group in the whole of the internet is a Facebook group called the Doing It For The Kids community, and it's specifically for self-employed parents. 
And the group is used in two ways. It's used to disseminate a helpful, practical podcast from the people who run it each week. And it provides a space for solidarity and social support between people who share quite unique struggles. So it's very important to always think of your group as a platform for delivering value, giving a service to the people that join it. Like it's not there to promote your business. It should lead people, your core cornerstone content should lead people towards wanting to work with you, absolutely. But you have to think of this group as a way for you to give back to people and give value. The groups that I see fail, it's generally because the person running them is actually not giving anything to the group, they're just hoping to take from them. So maybe they put some really like vapid um, conversation starters in there every now and again, but they're not delivering any core content. They're not giving the people in that group any reason to be grateful for what they're doing for them. Um, And I always think like, why would I want to be in your group? And I know that sounds really harsh, but we've all got so many options available to us, so many groups we could be in, so many people that are trying to get our attention online. You have to make it worth somebody's while. And to be honest, you know, I think because a group does take so long, it has to hit your values. Otherwise, you're just going to feel a bit gross about doing it. It's like I... My most successful group is the Do More Than Therapy group. I've had other sort of clinical groups that have been successful in the past. And every, and I've had flops too. I should say this, I've had a few groups that just did not work at all. And so what I'm saying here, it really is from experience because I've noticed the difference. So the the clinical group that had the most success for me was a 21 day challenge to get um, separated parents through the Christmas period. So I was going in there every day and giving people a um, mindfulness strategy or a practical problem solving strategy, or I got some expert advice in on, um, on different topics like legal topics and things like that that were really salient to them, that were crucial for them at that time. Now, I never expected very many of those people to work with me in any capacity. I had a, I had a book which um, was useful for them um, and I had a few other things going on which I hoped some people would and some people did take me up on. But I knew that the vast majority weren't going to. Those are the stats. It's only one to two percent of people are likely to ever buy anything from you. Um, but I felt like I was doing something really good. It was not difficult to show up every day and serve those people. I kept, get, I got feedback from them. They engaged with me, um, and it felt incredibly worthwhile. And I know there's some of you that listen to this podcast that are having that experience too right now. That run that kind of group where people thank you for it. And and yeah, I get that from Do More Than Therapy as as well. I know not everybody that listens to this podcast or who is in the group is going to be the right fit for Psychology Business School or the Do More Than Therapy membership. I don't care. I don't care. I'm really happy to create free content for those people um, because it hits my values to do that. And that is what gives me enough energy to keep going with it. So yes, I think it is really important to be strategic and not to have a group that isn't going to bring you any business because frankly, you won't be able to afford to keep doing it. You've only got so many hours in the day. It does have to generate business for you. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to justify the hours that you spend on the group. Um, But you also have to feel really good about what you're doing for the people in your group um, because that will make it sustainable for you and it will make it a hell of a lot more likely that people are going to engage and that you will actually get anything out of it. 
so that that could not I just couldn't emphasize that enough deliver high quality content and then you need to promote community so the best feeling in the whole wide world when you set up a group is when they start talking to each other without you (laughs) nothing makes a group um, admin happier than seeing people chatting away not even tagging you because they've sort of forgotten that you were there for a bit (laughs) Um, it's brilliant when people start supporting each other and if that is one of the aims of your group then it's really important to learn the skill of how to foster that for people It's partly around creating safety in the group. It's partly around um, using conversation starters yourself to kind of get that ball rolling and getting people talking and feeling like it's not threatening to talk. Um, It's a huge amount of work. It is a really huge amount of of work and you have to keep the group growing as well. Um, I think it's probably something to do with the Facebook algorithm. It's a bit mysterious. I'm not sure we really know, but when your group is growing regularly, people seem to see and engage with your posts a lot more frequently too. So you need to keep that growth going as well as nurturing um, and looking after the people that are are in there. So you have to learn how to keep your group growing. You have to learn how to start those good quality conversations. Um, And you also have to learn how to maximize the likelihood of people seeing posts from that group. And these are all skills. Um, And we've got a separate podcast episode coming up with Sam Hill, who's the community manager and I would say community expert (laughs) for Do Modern Therapy and Psychology Business School uh, where we're going to together share some of the tactics and strategy that we use because Sam has actually helped me not only with this group but she also supported me um, in the last group that I ran for a clinical um, population too and so she's got some really helpful insights um, on like the tactics that are working right now to spark that community um, because it is a skill like any other you can learn it but it changes all the time what works on Facebook so I'm really excited to get her on to give us the absolute latest on that so before I finish today I hope that's been really useful and you're kind of starting to think about which one of those three approaches might be right for you and might fit with your business vision I just want to finish by reiterating it is so so important that you don't just start doing Facebook because you think you should. It can be really time consuming so you need to pick a strategy that fits with your vision and stick to it otherwise it's just going to suck your time away from you and you don't have enough of that already. So I don't really think that I've done a episode about the different ways to use a specific platform before. So I'd really appreciate feedback from you about what you found helpful and what you'd like to see more of in the podcast. In fact, I'm really trying to grow the podcast this year um, because I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but we pretty much must be hovering around episode 50, um, which is just amazing. And I can't believe I've been doing this for almost a year, but I think I have. Um, So I really want to step it up and get it out to more people now. So as a bit of a shameless request, (laughs) if you found this episode valuable, please do leave us a five-star rating and review us in your podcast app. Basically, if you're listening to this in Apple or one of the other podcast apps, if you like swipe up, you should be able to just leave us a review and a comment there. Um, If you have any problems, let me know, um, either in the Do Modern Therapy Facebook group or you can ping me an email. I'll put my contact details under under this in the show notes. 
Um, but yes, a few more reviews and ratings would really help us to reach more people. We're actually doing really well in the non-profit category for the UK, which is awesome. Um, but if we could just get up a couple more rankings, um, that means that Apple Podcasts and, and Spotify and all the others will start showing us to people organically, which would be really, really exciting and be an awesome boost for the podcast. Before you go, I just wanted to check something out with you because I don't know if this is just me, but do you sometimes wake up at two o'clock in the morning worried that you've made a terrible error that's going to bring professional ruin upon you and disgrace your family? (laughs) I'm laughing now, but when I first set up in private practice, I was completely terrified that I'd miss something really big when I was setting up my insurance or data protection practices. Even now, three years in, I sometimes catch myself wondering if I've really covered all the bases properly. And it's hard, no, actually it's impossible, to think creatively and have the impact you should be having in your practice if you aren't confident that you have a secure business underneath you. But it can be really overwhelming to figure out exactly what you need to prioritise before those clients start coming in. So I've created a free checklist plus resources list to take the thinking out of it. Tick off every box and you can see your clients confident in the knowledge that you have everything in place for your security and theirs. You can download it now from psychologist.drosie.co.uk forward slash client hyphen checklist and the link is in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.